Right now, if you're scaffing, critting, screeding, H-backing, dunny diving, or electricianing, sparking, then you don't want to be sitting on the side of the road with a work truck that's smoking. You could get an insurance company that includes roadside assistance for when your work truck ain't starting and needs towing. Get onto truckassist.com.au. It's insurance to keep on earning and bacon and egg rolling. Limits and exclusions apply. Consider the PDS and TMD on the Truck Assist website. This week on Full Credit to the Noise, supercars kick off the season in front of two blokes and a dog, Red Bull try and remember the name of the bloke who drove for them last year, and Erebus come out swinging. Welcome to Full Credit to the Noise. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Full Credit of the Noise AVL episode four. You can find this podcast on Twitter at FCTTN Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at former underscore legend. You can find the bloke across from me on Twitter at AVL underscore motorsport. He's on Instagram at AVL.motorsport. He's on Pinterest at AVL.arts and crafts. He's a man who this week has been trying to sell Mustang uprights on Facebook Marketplace. He has declared the shift cut change in his rental i30 an absolute success. And tonight he's wearing a hashtag free Brody t-shirt. Welcome to Speed Cafes, Andrew Van Leeuwen. Well, thank you for that highly accurate opening former. I was in Bathurst for so long, it just made sense to set up a small business selling used <laughs> car parts online. Given I'm pretty sure I'm going to be paying council rates anyway, um, it was a it was a very long stint, um, but at least I'm finally out of Bathurst and in a windowless hotel room in the Sydney CBD because that's how glamorous this job is. In window, that's called a cell, my friend. Um, it was a big <laughs> you weekend. Know about that, <laughs> never seen one. Um, there was a big not on the weekend. Uh, there was a it was a big weekend. Obviously, massive start to the championship. Well, when I say massive, obviously I'm not referring to the crowds. Uh, but it was great to get the season kicked off. Uh, most most teams got away with minimal damage at a place that can destroy cars. Um, from memory, only one team left with a decent damage bill. Uh, it can uh, be said, it can be can't be said for some of the uh, runners of Super Two AVL who are starting to make S five thousands at Bathurst look like pussies. Um, shame there was no defending champion on the supercars grid, but uh, as we already spoke about, we did see a number of T-shirts with his name on them, so that was something. And I think we can all admit after the weekend that sprint races at Bathurst just don't work. But the best news all week for me and for motor racing fans all over the world, I'm sure they'll all agree, David Croft is sitting out three races this year and leaving the calling to a young bloke named Harry Benjamin. And let's be honest, Harry could have a stutter and a lisp and still do a better job than Crofty. That's very unkind of you to say, I think, for poor old David Croft. I think he does a fine job, but I know your feelings on this. He, uh, you rate him about as highly as Lewis Hamilton's fashion sense, but that's um, that's fine. Just to cover off a few of your points there, the crowd obviously wasn't great for the 500. I don't think anybody really expected anything different. It was basically a TV-only event that filled the gap left by Newcastle and serviced the agreement with Destination New South Wales. So... I've been very clear on the fact that we shouldn't be racing supercars in Bathurst more than once a year. Um, But at the same time, I think it's perfectly okay that it was a modest crowd, given the fact that it was a replacement round, basically. I mean, that's really what it was. As for the damage bills, I assume you're talking about BRT, but I reckon WAU probably spent a bit more than it wanted to as well. 
after Ryan Wood was roughed up on his introduction to the main game in both races, but he was very fast, I have to say, and you can teach racecraft, but it's much harder to teach raw speed. So I reckon those guys are probably pretty happy with what they saw, even if he scored literally zero points. Uh, and yes, Super 2 really went full Super 2 at the first possible opportunity this year. Again, like it's a tough joint to kick off a second-tier series with a lot of young drivers trying to prove themselves and not necessarily having a lot of supercars experience. So it's probably a bit of a a byproduct of the fact that Bathurst isn't the place that we should be uh, kicking off a championship like that. But you can probably say the same about Newcastle or the fact we used to do it in Adelaide True. back in the day anyway. So, you know, it's a, again, it's it's a difficult category to come in and try and make your mark without uh, bending some metal at some point. I had a look at the TV on Friday and Saturday night around 7.30, 8 o'clock, Mark. Do you know what was on on both nights? What's that, former? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, which should have been a night race around Eastern Creek, and it would have rated its absolute heads off. But anyway, here we are. We're at Bathurst. I think, and I think Destination New South Wales prefers the money being spent in rural areas. Uh, so oh. anyway, as I think we covered off last week. I did my bit for the local economy, so I can't. Um, <laughs> you felt I can't if the event if the event didn't uh, didn't boost up Bathurst, you know, total wealth. Then uh, it's not my fault. Not on me. Boo boost up i see what you've done there all right let's go time certain let's head to the shift cut and uh talk about some of the bigger issues from the weekend and uh, some of the stories bouncing around the pit lane and we'll start with uh the first one barry and betty blubbered up as erebus reveals 2024 supercars livery now erebus motorsport boss barry ryan has broken down make it sound like they started crying at the livery reveal Uh, I think they probably did when they didn't see any Coke signs on him. Um, he's broken down and he's defended his character amid the ongoing Brody Kostecki drama, saying that he is not a bully. And him and teammate, uh, sorry, team owner Betty Clemenko stressed it was not up to them if the reigning champ raced for them this year. It came in a hard-hitting interview from Jess Yates, who repeatedly flogged the pair with a wet lettuce leaf. Ryan said, I've got to have the energy to make sure we can rebuild this and do it again, which I have. But it hurts. It definitely hurts. And the interview came as both Erebus Entries sporting major backing from TFH Hire Services, to which Hazelwood, Todd Hazelwood that is, was already linked through his Trans Am campaign. They came on board with Todd. Uh, on the track, Toddy Hazelwood actually ran second spot in practice two in a shot in the arm for the Under Siege team. As both drivers uh, each made a top 10 shootout over the two days, they finished the round with LeBrock in 11th, Hazelwood in 13th in the championships, but they will push down to Garage 13 and 14 for the GP. However, in good news, there are no pit stops in racing at uh, Albert Park, so that won't affect them at all. Yeah, it's kind of an old one for Albert Park with this whole life pit lane thing, which I really, I, I always thought it was pretty stupid, but it did kind of create quite a talking point across the weekend because it was weird sort of seeing the DJR truck where where it was in the lineup when you're so used to seeing it right yeah. up at, yeah. at pit exit. And they're actually going further back, except for the fact that they're going to be parked out on, you know, on Fitzroy yep. Street in right Albert Park next time. Yep. So, like, yeah, there's no, there's no actual sort of pit lane thing. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they actually manage the paddock there, because there could still be a massive benefit to being first out of the gate when you've yeah, got like an eight, a, yeah. an eight minute qualifying session on a on a track that takes more than two minutes to get around or whatever. Mm. I forget what exactly what the Albert Park lap time is, but it's a long lap, so. Kind of fascinating how that will actually um, play out. But just to cover off a few things you spoke about there, I mean, there's been plenty said about the uh, the TV interview. So 
all, all I can really add to that is that, you know, that's one side of the story. That's not to say it's the right side or the wrong side. There's always two sides to these things in my experience. But I do hope that we do get to hear from Brody at some point to offer some balance to sort of what's going on. From what I understand, he's not keen on talking until the contract stuff has been squared away. I do genuinely hope we don't end up in a Reynolds-style situation where there's a non-disparagement clause slapped on any outcome and we don't really get to understand how and why Brody made what is a very radical you know, decision to, to not race. I reckon you can bet your left one that that exactly is what will happen, but I, I guess that's what I'm alluding to. But, you know, it would be nice to have some... We all have our theories. We all have our information that, you know, again, is very difficult to go public with based on the fact that um, there's obviously contracts still in play and that sort of stuff. But... I would like to think that we get a similar style chat with Brody at some point where he can try and offer some sort of insight. What I will quickly say is that I don't think Barry's tears were as disingenuous as some made out. I can't imagine how this whole saga wouldn't have deeply affected him emotionally. I oh, would have worn him down, mate. Would have worn regardless him down. Regardless of yeah, regardless of what the role his management style has played, there's no way that this hasn't been a very difficult thing for him to go through. Um I do think that Betty's choice of outfit was in bad taste, to be brutally honest. Like, and, and that's not even a joke. Like, I actually think that, and that's for a number of reasons, given that she has, by any measure, lived a very privileged life. Um, but the main thing is the message of team solidarity should have been reinforced through her, her wearing team gear, sitting there next to Barry. You know, I think that would have been a really important thing to do. So to kind of wear this joking tee, I know she sort of plays the every woman part, but to me that was... That was jumping the shark a little bit in that in in that respect. She's worn team gear before. It's not something she's fundamentally opposed to doing, and I think that was an important time to, to do that. Yeah, it's just the story. It just keeps brewing, although I've got to be honest, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of it. I'm glad the racing actually started yeah. and we, we got to look yeah, at different things. Yeah, I think that's things. a fair point. I think that's a fair point. And, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, geez, that interview got played a lot of times over the weekend. I think oh. a lot of people who were following the full coverage at some point were going... Holy moly, how many times are we going to see this thing? Yeah, uh, that was commented on a number of times to me. Yeah. The other thing was commented up and down pit lane. I had a, stuck my head into a couple of garages, and they were talking about how um, Albert Park might have uh, almost served its purpose, but we'll talk about that maybe next week. Right. Uh, next story, Super 2 reigning champ inherits Erebus sponsors. Kai Allen's machine, the Commodore from... Um, Eggleston's now features major backing from Coca-Cola on the doors while Southern Cross Truck Reynolds remain on the rear quarter panel. Both Coca-Cola, obviously, and SCTR left Erebus as Brody Kostecki's saga came to public attention, uh, as did Shaw and Partners, obviously. I don't know where they've lobbed, but does any of this point to possibly, you can answer this in a minute, AVL, mm-hmm. a Brody slash DJR hookup, given that um, Kai is a signed DJR driver. But other cars with Coke on their, Coke on their cars were... Uh, Super 2, Cameron McLeod, he was running with Premier, who obviously have also had dealings previously with Coca-Cola. BJR had Coca-Cola on their cars, saying that I think most of those were on there last year. They've also had dealings with Coca-Cola. And, of course, Thomas Randall on the back of his Mustang. I mean, there was more Coke on cars than the Colombian Touring Car Series. Um, mate. That's, that's, that's pretty good. I'll give you that one. <laughs> it, it seems like... Um, there was a lot of people ringing around straight away. The news broke that they were leaving. It's very good to see that we haven't lost all that backing from the sport and to see it giving young drivers a leg up in Super 2 is even better. So I say good on I say good on Lyndon and the crew from Coca-Cola for, for doing that. 
Um, I don't think anything necessarily points to what Brody is doing next year just yet. Um, I don't think that's a bad shout that we could see him in a DJR car at all, but I don't know if the moves that are being made are necessarily built around that at this point. What I wouldn't be surprised is if there's just a little bit of, let's call it just-in-case money that's been stashed away in terms of... uh, of what Brody does actually do next, and whether that's this year or whether that's next year, um, I, I certainly don't think that that the the era of Coca Cola Euro Pacific partners uh, playing a role in backing Brody is over. Interesting. Did you want to elaborate on that, or that's where you just kind of leave that? Oh, there's. I mean, that's just what it. That's just what it is. I, I imagine that, however he comes back into the sport, they will be involved in some way. I'd be very surprised if that's not the case. Okay, so. Could be on a black car or it could be on a already red and yellow car. Um, Correct. Let's next story. Ford not jumping to conclusions on supercars parody, it says. Uh, Ford Performance Motorsports boss Mark Rushbrook, who was dead set up and down pit lane all weekend, didn't have to look along to look to find him. He was uh, in Bathurst on the weekend, remains uncertain if technical parity has yet been achieved for the Gen 3 supercars, but is hopeful a Ford can be a genuine championship contender. Now, the Mustangs were consistently slower in the speed traps throughout the 40-lap encounter at Mount Panorama on the weekend in both races, usually by multiple kilometres per hour, according to figures displayed on Natsoft. Rushbrook uh, was also asked if parity can't be achieved, should supercars look at GT3 given... Ford's involvement with the Mustang GT3 car as a formula, to which he said it may be too early to talk about, that he that they should also not rule out NASCAR as a Gen 4 option. Interesting. Uh, it is interesting. The one thing I'll say right now, and I'm never going to change my opinion on this, GT3 would be a terrible formula for supercars, and they should absolutely never adopt it. And I don't think they will, um, but mm. it's a horrible idea. So I reckon, I I reckon just, people in Germany would have been saying that maybe five years ago, and yet here we are. Yeah, and is it been great for the DTM? Nope. Is it a better championship? Um, nope. So, look, it's it, it really is not something we should entertain. The NASCAR idea, I think we're seeing the two cars grow closer together. We're going to see, like, GM's going to need a product that's not the Camaro, we think, unless, unless they do come up with some sort of Camaro successor that is actually Camaro badge, which they sort of keep leaving the door slightly open too. Mm. Um, so I think we're going to see further tie-up because whatever GM does next from 2025 or 2026 onwards, really, um, there's probably going to be a lot of tie-up between the NASCAR and, and supercars programs. So I think um, that whole NASCAR thing is actually, that makes a lot more sense to me than, than GT3, which makes no sense to me. Parity was definitely in an interesting spot over the weekend. The general feeling was that we can put Aero to bed, mm. um, but the engines are still... A question mark. As we flagged last week, shift cuts were trialed during the Bathurst 12-hour weekend because it was clear that the Ford was a K or two down. Uh, on top speed, supercars elected not to use them in the end to the surprise of certainly some of the teams sporting blue ovals on their C uh, pillars. But um, I think it's clear that you know inroads have actually been made. Like Chaz Mostert was particularly slow through the traps, which points to contributing setup factors. I don't think it was wing. I think most people were probably running pretty close to 10 degrees of wing, but there's other setup things that c- can affect top speed. He was rapid across the top, so they clearly done something. Um, but I think it's, all, it's also pretty clear that they are still that K or so slower down the straight so um i think there is obviously transient dyno testing will come and we will see some changes along the way is there a time where we won't be talking about parity avial 
it's just going to take so much longer than it used to because and I, I, maybe we haven't covered it off on this format of the pod before, but parity used to be determined largely. We've probably got better parity than we've ever had, ever. But parity mm. used to be largely determined by the fact that you had a few good teams on each side of the ledger. You had a few shit teams, midfield teams on each side of the ledger. You had a few underperforming teams on each side of the ledger and they could all engineer their way into good and bad spots and it all kind of made sense. And you can't do that anymore. So the tiniest of differences makes such a huge difference and that's really where we're at. So that's why it's taking so long to stop talking about it because it used to be the fact that you had Triple Eight and DJR battling out of the front, developing stuff, spending a lot of money, all all the stuff we actually try to get rid of. But that's what masked any disparity, you know, unless it was like massively obvious like it was in 2019 with the Gen 2 Mustang, then the teams kind of just engineered their way in and out of issues and it all masked all that. And we don't have that anymore. And that's why it's taken so much longer to, to, to put this whole thing to bed. All right. One of the biggest hitting stories this on this on today's Speak Cafe is Brock Feeney in hat drama. Goodness me. Um, I thought his biggest drama around hats would be getting his ears underneath him. But there's been an early bump in the road for the New Look Pole Award in supercars backed by Boost Mobile. The telco, led by outspoken motorsport personality Peter Adderton, has taken over the naming rights of the Pole Award this season from Armour As part of the deal, the prize money for pole position has been beefed up. The total pool now $100,000, while the two pole winners for the Bathurst 500 pocketed 5000 bucks each. Uh, those pole winners were, of course, Triple Eight drivers, both Will Brown and Brock Feeney. Uh, there was a key difference between the post-session media commitments day-to-day, though, with Brown wearing a Boost Mobile hat on Saturday, as per the wish of the sponsors, while Feeney wore a Red Bull and pole racing hat on Sunday. Speed Cafe understands that Triple Eight, which is backed by rival Telco Vodafone, flag concerns over the Boost hat before Sunday's session. Uh, Boost Mobile Jason Haynes told Speed Cafe in a statement, we have elevated the dollars for the drivers, so to have Brock Feeney, who we actually supported and provided opportunities to get him into the main game, to not wear the sponsor cap for the Boost Mobile Pole Award is a joke. It's really up to Supercars to sort it out with the teams, as we are the sponsor of the Pole Awards, which is pretty fair enough, I would have thought. I think it is fair enough, the argument that it's not a proper Pole Award hat or whatever. I find it a bit weak, to be perfectly honest. The um, the best part about all of this is that Supercars Operations Manual still says currently that um, the winner of the Pole Award has to wear an armor all hat on TV. So my uh, my learned colleague Daniel Herrero suggested to me today that um, if he worked at Armour, he'd be dropping a heap of caps off for the Grand Prix and making sure guys were putting them on, whether they're paying for them or not. Like that's what the, that's, right. that's what the rules say. Like there's no no get it. you're in breach of the rules if you're not wearing an armor all cap, despite the fact that it's the Boost Mobile Pole Award now. So Will Brown was just as much in breach as uh, exactly Feeney yeah. as, as it turns exactly. out anyway. Exactly. Very interesting. Um, yeah, but look, that happens all around the world, right? I mean, you see drivers straight away get put Pirelli hats put on their head in Formula One, and I get it. They might they mightn't have um, um, competing sponsors, but at the same time, a deal's a deal. So I don't think there's anything to whinge about here. Just put the he, hat on for five. Here's seconds. what here's, here's what's really interesting. Let's wait until Jack LeBrock or Todd Hazelwood puts this thing on pole because I don't know there's much love lost between Peter Adderton <laughs> and Barry Ryan, so that could be that could be an interesting situation. Let's put it that well, way. Tip and Erebus might cop the fine there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Next story. What's the, what's, the fine for, what's the fine for kicking the Boost Mobile Pole Award sign over? <laughs> and burning it. Um, <laughs> MSR, the little engine that could. I mean, it was probably the, the feel-good story of the weekend. Cameron Hill 
has hailed Matt Stone's Racing's awesome start to the 2024, which has seen the Queensland squad placed second in the team's championship standings after race one. I'd like to punt on that uh, before the weekend. Uh, at, at Mount Panorama, he'll finish a career-best fifth after qualifying fourth in the number four tyre power Chevrolet, while recruit Nick Perkat raced the number 10 Bentix Commodore. Camaro, I should say. It's a six Commodore. Uh, MSR's thrifty Bathurst 500 campaign began on the front foot with speed in practice before he'll reached his first ever top 10 shootout. After the first race of the season, they are now only behind triple eight in the team's championships. Well done all. It's hard not to like this story. I said last week that there's, you know, there is a lot to like about MSR this year, just based on the mood of the drivers. And, you know, again, Perkat famously or infamously, depending on what side you fall of it, you know, doesn't hide his emotions well. So if he's happy, that means things are actually good. Mm. I think Cam Hill did a fantastic job on Saturday. Um, he made the point a few times. He's made this point a few times in the build-up to the season. And actually, we were chatting on, on Friday morning, I think it was, and he just off the record, he mentioned as well that, you know, he's kind of... He's coming to this season going, right, I've had the solid rookie campaign where, you know, it was nothing super spectacular, but I didn't shunt too many cars and I've kind of done the learning and I've got a feel for how the weekend flows and all that sort of stuff. Now it's time to take some risks. Like, yep. I'm not a rookie anymore. It's time to be a bit more aggressive. And I think we really saw that on the weekend. So to actually see someone, I don't know, there's something impressive about hearing someone vocalise what they want to do, but then seeing them actually going out and action it. And that's exactly what he did. So... Um, I enjoyed that. I think it's exciting times ahead for those guys if they can if they can keep it going. I tell you what, that um, that lap in the in the shootout on Saturday, geez, the time stood up for a while, and I started thinking, I tell you what, there's a sniff of the front row here for a yeah. while. But um, it was only it's the- a, it's a, he's a good race car driver, that bloke. Like again, he's been fast in everything that he's come through, and. Yeah, there's just you know like I think we I think we mentioned it last week. There's he's him and Nick are quite similar in that they're very engineering focused drivers. They're very hands on. You know they could both work on their cars. They could prep their cars if they needed to. They have that mechanical knowledge. Mm. So there's just I don't know. There's a bit of a vibe there that's that's kind of that's that's quite nice at the moment. All right, not far from the end here. Um, Van Gisbergen third in Atlanta Xfinity race. Um, fine motorsport journalist Daniel Herrero from that news-breaking website Speed Cafe reports that Shane Van Gisbergen has finished third in just his second race in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Atlanta Motor Speedway. The contest came down to an overtime finish after Ryan Sieg ran out of fuel late in the race with Van Gisbergen called to the pit lane to top up. And the 97 Chevrolet uh, did that under the caution while the top group stayed out. He took the restart in seventh and went to the outside with Carlag Racing teammate AJ Almendiger on the inside in car 16 before they went in opposite directions in the final laps. As cars ahead ran out of fuel, Van Gisbergen was third by the backstretch where he stayed. The podium uh, in race two of the season after a 12th at Daytona moves the three-time Supercars championship champion up to ninth in the series standings. Yeah, look, you. Um, it's the second time Herrera is going to mention on the pod tonight, and I tell you what, I'm glad I don't pay that bloke by the word after the shifts he put in over the Bathurst double. So, um, can I just say on... he looked rough on Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday morning. I seen him at the track. He looked <laughs> him... in the he looked in the horrors. I got to be honest. He uh, he definitely. Uh, I think he went through about four laptops over the last week and a half. <laughs> he's uh, he's punched out some words that bloke. So, um, thank you for that, Dan. Um, yeah, with gears, I mean, there was a bit of strategy involved, but it's an amazing result. I think we just need to probably just accept the fact that he's a guy that's um, really good at driving racing cars. Mm, very good, yes. <laughs> good luck, America. That's all I can say, uh, especially <laughs> once he gets his eye in. Oh, dear. 
All right, finally, we'll go to F1. F1 testing in Bahrain ends with Red Bull on top and some teams reportedly in trouble. Now, after three days of testing, it's indicated that Red Bull are still the ones to beat. No shit, Sherlock. Uh, with a chasing pack comprising of Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston, maybe, and McLaren, maybe, teams in trouble uh, uh, seem to be Alpine, who have no speed, have no endurance, are in all sorts. Uh, McLaren had some issues that sort of put them off track for quite a long time, but possibly also Williams and Haas might be in some dramas. Uh, my man, Fernando Alonso, said 19 other drivers know they're competing for second place in the Drivers' Championship with Verstappen to make it four straight crowns. He said, I think Max is the world champion and Red Bull is dominating the sport. Also, the concept that they presented this year, it's also a surprise. At the moment, we just have to watch them and see how they perform. I think 19 drivers in the paddock now know that they will not win the championship. Yeah, I didn't follow it as closely as I would have liked because there's been a bit on uh, over the last couple of weeks. But yeah, it's no surprise that Red Bull will be the team to beat. I really can't imagine anyone but Max Verstappen will win the title this year. I can't imagine many other guys even winning races, to be honest. So um, yeah, I think it's all playing out as we kind of expected. Yeah, i tell you what, um, if you were in um, a Ferrari right now, they seem to be the only ones with a sniff. Other than that, I think there is a bit of a gap between the chasing pack, which I said might consist of Mercedes and Aston and McLaren, but um, Alpine, haven't they slipped down? They are in nowheresville at the moment, I'm telling you. Um, And if they're two drivers, they reckon uh, Gasly is sort of ringing Mercedes on the daily to see if there isn't a chance that he won't be able to slip in. Mm. Uh, And who could blame him? This episode of Full Credit of the Noise is brought to you by the Daily Planet Short Stay Motel in Elstonwick, Melbourne. Need a room for about an hour in Melbourne? Good work, you stayer. The Daily Planet has 18 fully furnished rooms for your absolute comfort and convenience, with each room themed to give you the best relaxation experience money can buy. Choose from the Athens Room the Red Room, or the famous Superman Room. Every room has a spa next to the bed, and most have water-saving group showers. Not only does the Daily Planet sponsor Full Credit of the Noise, they're also proud sponsors of the Thomas Mazira stunt driving team who will be appearing in the 1997 Bathurst 1000. Keep an eye out for Tom Ars as he performs his world-famous triple-barrel roll with a pike at the Caltex Chase. The Daily Planet, coming and release some tension at the planet. Full credit to the noise. Yes, welcome back to Full Credit to the Noise. Now, I thought after the weekend we'd do a little thing called Forward Headline. We'll go through the drivers in um, championship order. Um, and we're just going to give you're going to give me a forward, well, I'm going to give you too, a forward headline for each driver's weekend. You can also, obviously, obviously you're going to have to explain some of those because they won't read well go, otherwise. Do you go first? I'll do have you go a crack first. first. Or do I go first? You no, know, I'll. I'll Okay, you go first. No, I'll go first. Will Bottas. Right. <laughs> first is Will Bottas. In conversations that should have happened <laughs> before we started recording. So yeah. pro, yeah, so professional. Um, yeah. First, at the moment, leading the championship with the orange numbers is Will Bottas uh, from Red Bull Empire Racing. He's on 288 points. My forward <laughs> headline is, didn't read the script. You're a tail gunner for Feeney, Bottas. You're not meant to go past him. You've got one job. Do not put us in this position in a couple of rounds' time, or otherwise that car will be running on six cylinders. Jamie really jinxed it by coming out and saying, I hope we don't get into some sort of uh, Fernando Alonso-Lewis Hamilton debacle <laughs> with these two blokes. Uh, my forward headline is, can he keep going? Because we saw Will look like a genuine title contender last year until 
he very much wasn't. And to be honest, slipped way too far behind Brody, regardless of whatever internal politics were at play at that team. So uh, he's shown he can be a match for Brock. So I guess we're going to see if he can keep it going. Yeah, I just want to see if the smile still exists, exists if this is the uh, way they're running after four or five rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Obviously, second in the championship is Brock Feeney, obviously from Red Bull and Pole Racing. He's on 279 points. My forward headline is, who is Shane Gisberger? Because, mate, they have seamlessly forgot that bloke. He is, uh, he is over in America doing something. He sent the little missus over to remind us all that he's still there. But um, Brock Feeney, absolutely on fire. Look the goods. A pit lane penalty, fair enough too, by the way, but a five-second um, addition to his pit stop was probably fair enough, but it also probably cost him uh, a real shot at a double win. Yeah, my forward headline is clutch left, throttle right. Team Triple Eight uh, is clearly the team to beat and could easily have left with a couple of wins, or Brock could have left with a couple of wins, but um, the team obviously did. But the starts have to improve. Like It's very easy to lose races off the line, given how hard Jeez, they it is. Lug. In, chug a in, lug, didn't they? Yeah, like and, and given how hard overtaking is and how you can bottle got like again, Mostert's four Ks an hour slower down the straight, but they still couldn't get past him. You know, the deltas have got to be so big. So those starts are critical. Um and uh yeah, Feeney's got to remember what side each pedal's on and start getting that right. Because once he starts doing that, I think things are gonna to come to him pretty easily. Imagine if that was your biggest issue right now after round one. Oh, it's gotta get my starts right and we should be fine. Wow. Yep. Um yep. third in the championship is Chaz Mostert. Uh, in Mobile One, Optus Racing, 267 points. My forward headline is snatching defeat from victory because fair dinkum, uh, an errant tyre change and uh, Chaz might have very well finished on the top step of the podium. Uh, it's a shame because one forward, one Chev win would have been a nice way to go into round two. As it is, he was quite fast, looked the goods for much of it and was really the only forward with outright winning pace. See, I'm going a little more glass half full on this one. My forward headline is Tough Love Pays Off. Um, it looks like maybe the DeBost, uh, sorry, DeBostet, that's a that's a good one. Maybe the Mostert DeBore relationship had become a little too comfortable because is Chaz like, was literally saying, like, like, it's, is that it's like great. Benifer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just came up with it too late because they're not working together anymore. But um, I think that, yeah, we could see that there was a bit of a. Peppity step with someone new to work with in Sam, in Sam Scafidi, uh, who's joined WAU. So I actually think they did a really, really good job. And I think given where the car speed was really at, um, that they they maximised the weekend. I, I never actually felt like they were going to win that race. I think that it sort of shook out how it was always going to shake out. Mm, I don't know about that, but okay. Um, fourth, Richie Stanaway, Penrite Racing, of course, 192 points. He's way away from uh, third when you look at it in those terms. Forward headline is Richie quietly grabs fourth because, to be honest with you, I didn't see a whole heap of him, yet here we are. He's equal fourth at the moment. He's probably done what you could with a car that just didn't have that sort of pace. I'm going with collective size of relief, which I think there would have been in the Grove garage because they've taken a bit of a punt on Richie and he actually showed how good he is because, you know, again, on a weekend where they weren't absolutely on it and Matt Payne, a race winner, wasn't absolutely on it. I think he did a really bloody good job. Yep. Yeah, fair call. I'll tell you who else did a good job and it's this next bloke. He's also 192 points. It's Reynolds. Dave Reynolds from Trady Beer Racing. My forward headline is, I told you he's happy because he, he his qualifying performance on Sunday was extraordinary. He goes out, he's got a side lap and then a one-lap dash and sticks it in the top 10. That alone was extraordinary driving from Davey. 
And he's running fifth at the moment. He often starts the year like this, to be fair, from memory. But um, it was a good good start from a bloke in a new team. Yeah, we've got a theme going here because I've got Happy Dave, Fast Dave. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've discussed that in the past before. I don't know why Charlie bought these leaky rims off Facebook Marketplace to stick on that car on the Saturday because I think that hurt a Dave that? a little bit. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that that was a very uh, a very impressive performance from Dave across the week. And we know he's good at Bathurst; like he is very good there. Um, but there's definitely, you know, um, he wanted a strong start and he got it. Yep. Uh, sixth is Nick Perkat in Bendex Racing. He's on 186 points. My forward headline is shots fired at WAU because there was a few sneaky comments in. Uh, Interviews yeah. with Nick over the weekend. He didn't miss them, and it was duly noted by the team. I know that for a fact. Um, he did mention that uh, his car was didn't even make the first corner on race one, and then he, I think he mentioned the driver's briefing that, oh, I can drive loud enough so people could hear. So Nick's loving it. Yeah, I've gone with forward headline, is the Purdog back? Uh, he did seem pretty happy over the weekend. I did notice a couple of comments that could be construed as uh, a bit cheeky even on his social media and that sort of stuff but I think probably the only thing he'll be looking at at some point in probably the quieter moments is that um, Cam Hill gave him a bit of a dusting on Saturday and that might he Didn't might he be was. thinking wow wow this uh, this may be I may not be walking in here as the uh, as the clear team leader um, there's a lot to play out obviously but I reckon that's probably the only thing that's uh, that's maybe weighing on his mind the tiniest little bit. I agree. Uh, seventh is Thomas Randall from Monster Castrol Racing. He's on 183 points. My forward headline is Supercars Villain Sunday Star because he was nowhere on Saturday, but the villain that must have some skeletons in the closet, Dave, he'll start digging for God's sake. He can't be that good of a good of a bloke anyway. He finished Sunday in an absolute um, shower of shit, to be honest, mm. and is running a, a nice seventh at the moment. Fourth on Sunday alone, so he's done a good job and rescued a bit of an ordinary Saturday. Well, my forward headline needs very little explaining. It's saved face for Tickford. Mm, good call. Good call. Um, eighth is Matthew Payne uh, from Penrod, of course. 174 is very congested at this end of the field. My forward headline is no pain at Penrod. You like that? You can use that on Speed Cafe if you want. Thank you for the offer. I'll consider it and come back to you. Uh, I've gone with a solid, if not spectacular. I, I think obviously there were massive expectations after Adelaide, but you know he was still sort of right, right there for where the the car speed was kind of at for those guys. So yeah, um, I think we've seen enough from both of those drivers there to go, yeah, this might actually work. I think they knew early that they just didn't have that outright speed, and yeah, yeah. like you say, they've just accumulated points in a good haul that will see them head to the Grand Prix with a bit of a, a spring in their step. Um, ninth is Bryce Forward, probably the surprise, one of the surprise packers of the weekend anyway from Middies Racing, 165 points. My forward headline, if you like the no pain at pen right headline, this one will like you'll love. Bryce Sparks, BJR Smiles. It's an mm. electricity one. You like that? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, no, I understood <laughs> it. Um, uh, my forward headline is, uh, this is actually probably a Saturday night headline, but it was, uh, how did he do that? because he really was one of the quiet achievers uh, in that race and on a weekend where those BJR guys really struggled for, for car speed. he um, Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, tenth is James Golding uh, from Premier New Lawn Racing. Uh, forward headline is Feeney ends possible podium. Oh, yeah. Now, poor old James was punched off at the chase. Uh, Brock copped the fine. 
But imagine being shoulder charged by Brock Feeney. It'd be like being punched in the guts by a kitten, I'd reckon. But um, yeah, it probably cost him a chance at a podium, and he was he had genuine pace on on Sunday. He definitely did. Um, I've got him at fast, but still flawed. You know, he probably could have covered that move a little bit earlier. Yeah, obviously, Brock, obviously Brock, Brock, Brock made the mistake. Brock locked the brake. Brock ran him off the road and ruined his day and ruined his own day at the, at the same time. But, you know, I, I still think we just need to see. Like, James is so fast. When he pieces it together, he's so quick. Um, and they're the little areas that need. Uh, he made a good start. He kind of did all the right things and then could have potentially put himself in a bit better spot down there to avoid having a car sliding up the inside of him. So I, I still think there's a tiny bit of racecraft work to do, but, um, yeah, definitely quick when it's all working for him. Uh, 11th is Jack LeBrock from Erebus, the first of the Erebus drivers. He's on 156 points forward. Headlines, quite simply, solid points eases pressure. Because I tell you what, if they had been a lot further down the list, the pressure would have been really on. Yeah, we're on a similar theme. I went with kept up the fight, like he punched on through a tough weekend, you know, highly visible weekend, which it was always going to be for that team. And uh, he kind of ended up eventually really looking like the lead Erebus driver uh, by Sunday mm. evening. Twelfth is Cameron Hill, tyre power racing, 147 points. My forward headline, pretty easy. Saturday rocked, Sunday sucked. Yeah, I've gone with uh, exactly what he needed because I think he needed a good start. You're right, Sunday didn't go great, but I think on the whole he'll sit back and go, nah, that went pretty well. I've got to be pretty happy with that. Mm. 13th is the second of the Erebus drivers in Todd Hazelwood, 138 points. Um, Forward headline is decent results, quietens the critics. I've added a V there, so. Yep. No, that's, I've gone with classic solid Hazelwood showing, which I guess is a similar theme as well. He's a grafter. We know that. And uh, like JLB, he battled through on a weekend with a lot of external noise and, and did absolutely a reasonable job. Yep. 14th is Andre Heimgartner and the RNJ Batteries uh, Camaro. 135 points. My forward headline is car straight, decent points. I didn't even know what to write about Andre, to be honest. He was just there. I went with car speed the issue because I think that really is what's at the heart of it for BJR. That was their issue across the whole weekend, apart from that sort of one showing of um, from Bryce. So I think they, they both had a decent race each, but um, I think BJR will be uh, heading back to Albury looking for some speed. Mm. He traditionally usually starts seasons pretty quick mm. and go well at Bathurst in other news. Uh, 15th no, is Will no Davison. Albury speed jokes? Nothing? <laughs> Mate, I've got... I've got Coke jokes from Columbia. I, I'm, all, <laughs> I'm all out, um, right. literally. Uh, Will Davison, fifteenth uh, for the Shell V Power Racing. My forward headline. They're not going to like this, but bring back Scotty Mack. Oh, that is tough. But um, I've gone with thank God for Sunday because it was just a tough weekend for that team. Uh, but at least you know, Davo grabbing a result on Sunday that saved a little face. Jesus, only just. It's not. It's not pretty at the moment, I'm telling you. I, I don't know how long they can keep going on like this without some pressure being put on them. Uh, 16th, Mark Winterbottom, DeWalt Racing, 132 points. My forward headline is, only bloke missing pie. Um, I reckon he'd kill for <laughs> Scotty Pie just to compare himself to at the moment. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That is a really, really good one. Um, I've gone with slow down, please, Dave. So I guess it's not uh, not entirely <laughs> not dissimilar. Not entirely dissimilar. He really struggled to match his new teammate over the weekend. Uh, so I think realistically, there's some work to do on that side of the teammate and garage. He seemed fairly happy with his race pace, but 
I think they know he's got a bit of work to do to, to, to match Dave's yep. quality speed. Speaking of a bloke who's got some work to do, 17th is Tim Slade, Premier Newlon Racing, 108 points. Forward headline is, don't mention Brody Kostecki. Um, I'll leave it at that. That's that's another good one. Uh, mine is mine's a quote headline, and it's no point turning up. And that sounds like a huge tear up, but that is actually a direct quote from Tim post race on Sunday evening. You know, he said that if he and Mirko, you know, he and Mirko need to find or change something, or they may as well stay at home. Oof. And that's that was a very it was a it was a very harsh self reflection, but that is exactly what he said. And it's you might never say in that soon. Yeah, but but yeah, but it was it was yeah. It, it's at least promising that the guys sitting there going, "Man, we really need to do something because that wasn't good enough." Eighteenth uh, is James Courtney in the Snowy River Racing um, car uh, Mustang, hundred and eight points. My forward headline is: Was he even there? Because I don't remember even seeing him on the screen over the weekend. Yeah, that's a good one. I went with tough year ahead, perhaps because I've been a little worried about this team and the early signs are that it could be. You know, in an ever-increasingly competitive field, a, a tough year for those guys. Yeah, 19th is Anton Pasquale from Shell VPR Racing, 102 points. My forward headline is Dr. Ryan quietly boiling. Um, this is not good enough. That's yeah, it. yeah, I've gone with not the start required. You know, we flagged that it's a critical year for these guys and one shootout appearance wasn't enough from Anton on the weekend. I don't think I'm saying anything there that he won't very much know himself. Mm. 20th is Cameron Waters from Monster Castrol Racing. 96 points, can you believe it? My forward headline is Nowheresville. Population, Cameron Waters. I'm going a little blue on this one. Mine is what in the f***? Like, that was probably <laughs> the weirdest performance of the weekend, to be honest. Uh, and this is this is really what meant is to be... the story? This is meant to be Cam's big year, and that was a really tough weekend. Um, I'm sure he'll find the speed. He is absolutely one of the best guys in the category, um, but certainly, you know, that weekend for him was not on my bingo card. No. I tell you, it's a long way back from the. I know it's a, well, it's only 12 rounds, but that's a long way back from there already. Yeah. That's a long way yeah. back. Um, 21st, Macaulay Jones, Pizza Hut Racing, 93 points. My forward headline, and I'll keep saying it all year, all you can eat. That's all you need to worry about, Macaulay Jones. Get it back to Pizza Hut, all you can eat. That's what I want. Um, I've gone with kept it pretty clean because I don't really know what else to say. He kind of had the weekend that, I guess, on a weekend where they really struggled for car speed that he was always going to have. He knows how to go out there and drive around and not wreck the thing. Um, But, yeah, they just struggled. Yes, 22nd. The whole team struggled, didn't they? Uh, 22nd, Jackson Evans uh, from SCT Motorsport. 87 points. My forward headline is he's almost on fire because his foot – was burnt on in Sunday's race, yeah. and he struggled to get home. Yeah, that that would be a horrible feeling uh, when <laughs> that starts happening. That would be absolutely no fun at all. Mine, of uh, I don't know. This is this is I'm, I'm going with make Smith look good, and this is not a tear up on oh, Jackson. Oh, that's brutal. Nah, it's not. That is it's brutal. not. No, it's not a tear up on Jackson at all. It's just that we know Jackson is a professional level race car driver, right? And he kind of yep. filtered out where we'd expect Jack to. So I think it goes to show that even the guys that are shit by supercar standards, they're not shit. Like, they're good. No. Like, J- Jackson will get there. We know he'll get there. It was a tough weekend for BJR in terms of speed, and that absolutely didn't help on his first weekend. He actually did a good job of plugging around and sort of getting it done like, like McCauley. But it just goes to show that, you know, even the guys that we look at and go, oh, they can't drive. Like, it's, it's a tough category, man. It's a tough one. 
Yeah, I, I've got to say, like, he he did tumble down. You could almost tell where his foot got too much because I think he yeah. dropped it three or four places right yep. at the end in race th- race two. Yep. Um, and it was sort of like, oh, that's weird. He's just dropped back some places, but clearly. It was yeah. absolutely killing you. You get him what I'm there. saying, right? You take that, oh, in, I get you, get, you get that absolutely. entry, and you take a guy who's got so many runs on the board, and you go, "Hang on a minute, it's not like, you know, he didn't stick it third on the grid. Like it's a, it's a, it, it, it's a tough category." I'll come anyone. back to our season preview uh, when we previewed the teams. I'm not sure four cars is the optimal um, number of cars for a team these days. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that you can extract speed from four te- from four cars. Um, 23rd, Aaron Love, Cool Drive Racing. My forward headline is, Bathurst shows no love. Mate, I've got audio from the Blanchard team meeting after the two races, and it's a very quick grab, but you can hear what's been going on in that truck. You done messed up, Aaron! There you have it. Um, mm. Nothing more needs to be said there. How did you get that audio, headline? by the way? Where'd you get it from? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I had to go and Google it to find where it was. But um, uh, okay, yeah. my my forward headline is Walls Two. Aaron Love. <sighs> Very good. Yeah, Would have gone thirty love, but um, no. I, see, I thought about that, but I thought that was going to be um, that was maybe going to be too too nuanced. Anyway, um, yeah. Look, though, again, I, I think it's more of a it's more of a fact that that team's got a lot. It's got some growing pains to go through before they kind of get to where they need to get to. And um, being a rookie in that environment, I think having J- JC there is going to help a lot. But yeah, a tough environment to be as a rookie and uh, driving too hard to try and make up for speed deficit. I think it was just the most classic example of that. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, the final bloke in the 24 car field is Ryan Wood from Mobile One Truck Assist Racing. He's on zero points. Um, it's the best debut for a bloke who's got zero points that I, I can remember. I <laughs> My forward headline, um, and I take it from last week's where we uh, put them in movie tiers. Uh, My forward headline for Ryan was, like Days of Thunder. Yeah. Yep, that was almost the perfect uh, description of it. Uh, I've gone with uh, should not be last, which I think explains it. Like the guy was quick, yep. and you'd be pretty happy, I reckon, because um, again, as I sort of touched on at the top, you can teach racecraft, you can teach guys how to recognize situations and deal with them better. You can't teach them to just be really, really fast, and that's what that bloke is. Good call. All right, we'll go to a break, uh, and after that, we'll come back for the final segment, the rear of grid. If you're out there forklifting, bobcatting, jackhammering, backhoeing, trenching, digging, drilling, and persuading, you want to know that if anyone is thieving your stuff, that your insurance company will be timely with approving. So get on to Truck Assist, the insurance to keep on earning, with cover for the machines you're hauling and your work truck too. Go to truckassist.com.au, then get back to all that persuading. Limits and exclusions apply. Consider the PDS and TMD on the Truck Assist website. Yes, welcome back to the rear of grid, the final segment of Full Credit to the Noise AVL. The mum's life thing. I've backed myself into a corner here. 3-0. Obviously, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to make a statement. You're going to tell me if it's true or false. If you get it wrong, mm-hmm. um, well, it'll add to my score of 3-0, to zero, 0 to 3 at the moment, but... Um, if you get it wrong, it'll be three-one, which will be a good little comeback for me because I'm in all sorts of trouble. The loser of this at the end of the year has to put a mum's life sticker on his car. AVL, I'm going to make a statement. 
You tell me, is this a lie or is it fact? And it's quite simple. The most races a bloke has done in NASCAR without a win was 421. True or false? They do 420 races in one season. So I'm going to go absolutely true. <sighs> I'm back, baby. Oh, no, <laughs> you're kidding. Nobody in the Cup Series raced more without a win than a popular cigar-chomping determined back marker, J.D. McDuffie, who had 653 starts without a win um, in up until 1991 when he died in a one-car accident at Watkins Glen. Rest in peace, McDuffie. Um, it's inconceivable anyone will ever race that often again without a win. Retired driver Buddy Arrington went none for 560. The late Neil Soapy Castles went none for 498. And retired cup driver Dave Blaney went none for 473. But no one will get close to McDuffie at 653. We're back. 653. Um, all right, letter of the week, and then we'll head off into the sunset. It's quite simply from uh, at Ben Pugsley. He asks Hugh Avl. Was Tim Edwards the Adrian Newey of Tickford, or was there other reasons for their poor showing on the weekend? Uh, that's an interesting question. No, look, I think there's there's other factors uh, at play. I think that um, Tickford has certainly it can't boast a record like Red Bull Racing has in Formula One, even if they've had their ups and downs, um, because you know they really you know there's been a couple of Bathurst wins uh, and a uh, one title under Tim's reign. Um, obviously, you know there's it's a competitive series, and that's not I'm not passing any judgment on that, but um, I think that one race meeting doesn't you know you can't actually sort of outline whether you know, things are absolutely terrible or whatever. Like, that, that was obviously just such a weird weekend for them for whatever reason, particularly on Cam's side of the garage. So I think that there's, you know, like, I'll still be amazed if we go the whole year and Cam doesn't win a race. Like, they're oh, going to come back and that, find some form. So, gee, that was, yeah, that was horrid. I don't, no, it, yeah, yeah, it was. It was, it was, a, it was certainly a, a bad start, but it's not wholesale change. you got to look at the guys that are, you know, actually engineering the cars and making the changes and driving the cars. I think that... You know, you, again, look at DJR. Like, it's it's not hard to get out of the window. Um, when you've got teams that are actually really overperforming, like MSR, like suddenly, it, you know, and, and Premier in Golding's case, then kind of it's easy to just be a long way down the order. Like, it happens really quickly. You know, and that's, I guess, what happens. Genuinely nowhere all weekend. And I just kept waiting for something. And it just, even I was watching him in race, uh, race one on Saturday. And he was mucking around with the same drivers at the start of the race as he did at the end. He he did not yeah. get through them at all. So I don't know. There's got yeah. to be something just not quite right there at the moment. Either that car's yeah. not right or, yeah. or what. I don't know. But it seems to be yeah. missing. But I, I don't think it's related to Tim's departure. <laughs> like that's that's kind of the crux of it. Do you reckon, given his reluctance to smile at anything, Tim Edwards might have had a little bit of smile on the weekend thinking, thank Christ. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. Well, yeah, I don't know why, Will, because he won't talk to you. That'll about do us for the uh, fourth episode of Full Credit of the Noise. Don't forget, you can find this show on all socials at FCTTN Podcast, and you can read AVL's excellent work over at speedcafe.com. Until next time, we'll have a couple of weeks off. We might watch a Grand Prix or two in that time. I've been former legend. He's been AVL, and this has been Full Credit of the Noise. We'll see you at the track. Full Credit of the Noise.